Well, hello everyone. It is good. It is good to be here today. <laughs> hello. I'm, I'm looking around and seeing people that are in for the baby dedication. and That uh, video with David and Madala. Let me explain who Madala is. Uh, several years ago when we first went through to the University of KwaZulu-Natal on um, the southeast uh, side of South Africa, Madala I would say, Rick, you remember when you and I sat at Joe's and we were talking about Isaac and he was 15 and I said, you know, I felt like the Lord is saying I should take him to South Africa. He was kind of struggling a little bit and uh, just challenged a bit maybe about his own decisions about God. He wasn't running from God or anything like that, but just felt like it was a critical time. But... Um, yeah, when Isaac went through on that trip, we went to the University of KwaZulu-Natal where we were working with student ministry, and they were in the middle of just a, a real breakthrough, and Madala was a first-year student who had just gotten saved. So I don't know, now that's nine years ago. Isaac just turned 24, so that's, that's nine years ago. And that's how God works. That's just the amazing thing about the kingdom. And Madala has since then, I mean, and as a first-year student, I should say, uh, had never felt liberated. His dad literally had... Um, conjoled them to stay away from white folk. You know, I mean, they, they were the, uh, just, there was this uh, post-apartheid atmosphere that wasn't very conducive to the kinds of relationship you just saw in that video. That's the point I'm trying to make. And they weren't kidding, man. Those two were thick. They were thick. You're going to be friends with Madala for the rest of your life. But when Isaac went through on that trip, Madala had just gotten saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. And so Isaac didn't know him from anybody. And he's grabbing him, pulling him to the front, man, and they're worshiping like crazy. And so it was just beautiful to see how the redeemed uh, are gifted with the grace to also be agents of reconciliation in themselves, pathways for others to redemption. Just always blows me away. And so for years, though, Africans somehow, they don't feel like they can do mission often into their own continent. Especially when I say African, I'm speaking of uh, people with extra melatonin, just dark skin and, and, you know, just kind of a spirit of poverty. And Mandala has been for a minute saying, you know, why don't we go? And you come through and you preach in our church and you tell us these stories about all this stuff God doing. And then finally he just said, that's it, I'm going. <laughs> and just this last trip, I was there for five weeks in September, October, and went back down, specifically really went to that area of South Africa quickly, just for a few days, because Madala said, man, you haven't been to our church in a long time, you got to come, and I mean, he went to Zambia, so I had to go <laughs> to uh, Peter Maritzburg, and it was a whole group of African uh, 20-something-year-old men that said, no, we're taking you to dinner. That's never happened before. I always pay, you know, and all these guys, man, they took me to dinner, and they said, um, we want to go. You know, Madala's come back, and he's told us. And, and we don't want to just go even to Zambia, but help us. And so we started dreaming out how they could go locally. Because, church, in as much as you know how much uh, I believe in global mission, and, and certainly that's true for Rick and true for this church, but I'll say what I've always said to you, that go starts here. I mean, this is where that starts for us. It starts here. And honestly, love works best locally. We pay a high price for relationships like the one we have with Madala. That costs a lot. And it, it costs a lot monetarily, but it costs a lot physically. It costs a lot in terms of effort. But we live here. We live here. 
We already have deep and meaningful and impactful relationships. And we already have these deep, those deep love relationships with people. That's our currency in the kingdom. Love works best locally. So in as much as it's Mission Sunday, man, I just can't help myself. You know, opportunity, take a shot and remind you, you know, that you don't have to go over the ocean to go. And in fact, I've kind of gotten in this little bit of a rant, right? Because I've been traveling like crazy. I've been on the road since this, um, this, I don't know. I haven't been home uh, where we live now in Wilmington, North Carolina uh, on a weekend since, since August. I think that's correct. Yeah, since August. And a few days in the week, and I'm so thankful that Karen is with me today, by the way. I mean, I, when we were driving up on Wednesday, I flew back in on Monday from being out of state and uh, flew back in from preaching out of town and that and got back on Monday and was home all day Tuesday, slept in my bed two nights in a row, which was incredible. And then got up on Wednesday and we drove up here and I was joking with, uh, I spoke at Chapel at Pathway on, uh, I don't know what day, Friday. And yes, thank you, Josh. And and I was telling the kids, you know, the whole time we were driving up, I would be driving along and I'm like, on the road again. Can't believe I'm on the road. You know, I'm Willie Nelson's in my head. And, but then I would look over there and see Karen. I'm like, woohoo. <laughs> and I would get a little sleepy and, yeah. <laughs> it's such an amazing blessing to have her with. And as I've been traveling these many, many Sundays, and I get on these little rants about mission and missions and, and telling stories from Africa and over the ocean, kind of got into the whole Acts 1 8 again, which you know is one of my favorite uh, passages. The whole video series based on Acts 1 8, eyewitness video series. But that I've been saying to people listen, if you will go to Jerusalem and even Judea, scoot out a little bit, you know, and Samaria, cross some culture, please step out of your comfort zone, cross your demographic, and love somebody. There's plenty to do here. If you'll do that, I'll take you to the uttermost parts of the earth. <laughs> Come on, load up and go. And um, just one more time, and I'll, I'll get into this message this morning. But there's not a finer human being to load up and take over the ocean than David. And that's a fact. Anyway, I love you, man. Holy smokes. And Michael, come on and go again, man. You're beasting it for Jesus, too. And you know this church is full of folks like that. Rick, you gotta, you got to let me have a few to take with. You know, you can't have them all, man. Uh, some of them are called to Africa. They may not all be called to Africa, but some of them are. Do not hoard the Lord's amazing men of God. Anyway, sorry. I mean to give you a lecture. Uh, and early happy Thanksgiving to you all. I mean, it's just here in a minute. Um, just coming. And what a great day to be thankful. There's so much to be thankful for. I'm thankful for a lot of things. I'm certainly thankful for my Chuck collection. You know, I love my Converse, and I'm thankful for my truck, and thankful for food, and a place to sleep, and thankful for my pillow that I rarely ever see it. But honestly, I'm not that thankful for those things. I mean, that's great. I appreciate them. They're a blessing from the Lord. And, uh, but the things that we're thankful for are so much deeper than that. I'm thankful for Karen and for the boys. I just I don't even have words for that. But even more than that, just thankful for God and who He is and who He is to us. And even again, the conversations this morning about all the hectic things that are going on in the world. I mean, Christmas too was right around the corner and don't you forget it. 31 days, right? Um, yeah, 31. It's coming. It's coming. And, and But you know, as excited as I am about Thanksgiving and as thankful as I feel and as excited as I am about Christmas, and you know I'm not pretending when I say that I'm excited about Christmas, I'm also fully aware that for a lot of people, for some, this season brings, brings heaviness. 
And in fact, again, just a quick uh, cruise through the news channels could also make you feel a little weighty. You know, you look and you see all the things that are going on in the world and, and certainly even those things that we think should give us hope, and I won't go on any sort of a political rant this morning, but we realize that those maybe aren't going so well, or, or is it real hope? And, and it's true what Tara said, that the only real peace that we have, the real hope we have comes from Him, and we know that that's true, and yet somehow, even having said that, we still, we still somehow tend to live under this cloud. You know? And, and certainly... That's not our destiny. I think of the Christmas story, and, and I love Luke. Luke is my favorite. It's just my most complete and favorite version of the Christmas story, and I especially like Luke 2.8. You remember when the angel of the Lord came to the shepherds who were in the field, and you knew I was going to preach a little about Christmas, didn't you? I mean, no one really thought that I haven't been here in a minute, and it's this close to Christmas, and I'm not going to be here during Christmas, so surely you didn't think I wasn't going to talk about Christmas. Luke 2, the angel came to the shepherds and said, um, Fear not, for behold, I bring you, what, good tidings of great joy, which shall be for all the people. For unto us this day in the city of David is born a Savior. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Right? I mean, a Savior. That's what we need, wouldn't you agree? I mean, in light of all that we deal with and all that we do and all the difficulties we face, if joy is our destiny, if peace is our inheritance, if we're going to make it through the madness, we definitely need a Savior. And we have one too. <laughs> we do. We have a Savior and, and a Savior who wants to be close to us, who wants to be near to us, who wants a a tight and right relationship with us, who joys in spending time with us. I'm telling you lately, I mean, it has been a hectic season, but, and I'm tired. I mean, I'll be honest with you, your family, this is the family room at Dwelling Place Christian Fellowship, and I will tell you I'm tired, but I've been having the most rich, rich God times. Just amazing times with Jesus. It's, um, and I believe that, you guys, in fact, have been going through Second uh, Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 8, and you've been considering what the Word of God says about that and how His divine power has given us everything, everything we need, we find in Him. And, and I, I think we can even see in that passage that effective faith is, is joy-filled faith, that that's, again, our destiny, but that's hard. It's hard to maintain that sometimes in life. It's, it's difficult with all that we do and all we encounter, and in some cases, endure, it is at times difficult to maintain the level of joy that we know is meant for us to have. I've stood in this place and preached to you before. I've stood in Chi Alpha in the day. I've got friends from the day that are here visiting. And I stood and I preached about the top ten most common joy thieves. Because it's critically important that we not allow the enemy to come in and rob us of our joy. But even in our own situations, man, bills and budgets and unexpected expenses and home and school and work. Anybody feeling me right now? I'm <laughs> getting some smiles out there. People are going, oh yeah, he just hit mine. He just hit mine. <laughs> and relationships, you know. Both romantic and plutonic sometimes live like a soap opera. 
Life is full of drama and things that would become weighty for us. Sometimes we're, it's like we're walking under this incredible load, you know? And I'm, I'm here today to advocate that we just lose the load, you know, that we just drop that, that the weights come off, and that we live today pushing into Thanksgiving, not just having to remind ourselves, which it's good to be reminded, and we, you know, we need to remember to remember, and that's biblical, all right? And it's good to do all those are disciplines, and we need to live in them, but the reality is, I don't want you to have to work real hard to be thankful this Thanksgiving when there's so much to be thankful for. But I know that sometimes we live life like, well, you know when you endure a lot of trauma? How you see someone who, man, something just happened. I mean, something hectic and heavy happens and, and the look on their face. I mean, you even see this in something much less significant like sports or something. You know, like everybody that's playing Alabama right now at some point, this is, what just happened? You know, halfway through the first quarter, it was nothing to nothing. And it was 49 to nothing. You know? And, and, and life can kind of run you over like that, too. And, and you see it on people, man. And, and we use words for it. We'll say, they're kind of traumatized. Well, I'm telling you that. I've seen some people that are dramatized. Okay? I mean, I know dramatized is a real word. But it's when you take a story and you add a little drama to it. You need to spice it up a little bit. I don't need that in my life. You know what I'm saying? I got plenty. I don't want to... And sometimes, though, you look at someone's face with all that, that they... Okay, sometimes you look in the mirror. And you see this person. And you're like, he looks a little dramatized. No more drama. Thank you. I've had enough. You know, and, and it's, again, I'm going to continue to say that this is true, but it's God for us. and to be able to not be dramatized. For the God follower, life's not meant to live like that. You don't have to have this constant drama. And I'm, I mean, and I'll admit, I have an aversion to drama, which is interesting in as much as I constantly deal with significant issues in the lives of people. I don't mind that. I just don't want to add drama. I think God sorts things out. And I'm that guy that in the original Shrek, you know that part of the movie where Shrek thought Fiona thought he was ugly and Fiona thought Shrek thought she was ugly. I hate that part. They, you, he, she likes you. you move the rock. He wants to marry an ogre. You know, I fast forward through that. And the crazy thing though is that when we see some, I do, I still like the movie. But it's true that when we see someone who's in a difficult situation, sometimes we give the craziest advice. We give and get the craziest not, not necessarily anti-God advice like, like Job's wife gave Job. He, she gave some of the worst advice in the history of history. Right? Am I right? <laughs> Curse God and die. That's terrible advice, by the way. <laughs> I mean, at least put a gap in there somewhere. You know what I'm saying? Like, curse God, take a little bit, <laughs> and repent, and then die. Curse God and die. And then Job's standing in heaven. Hey, Jesus, I was just over there cursing you and everything. <laughs> Hope we're still good. You know, we don't probably do that very often. And, and I'm for cutting Job's wife some slack. She was a grieving mom, right? And in fact, she did enjoy the full restoration that Job enjoyed. Thank you, Jesus. God is so good. But we do tend to give godless advice. Like, um, we'll see someone trapped in a rubble. You know, let's say that we're on the rescue crew and we're coming through and, and we see someone and like there was an earthquake or a tornado and they're trapped under the rubble. And we'll be like, 
it, it would be equivalent to that because we'll see someone who's really in a heavy situation and we'll say, you just need to lighten up. Oh, thanks. I didn't think of that. Now that's what I'm... I knew there was something I should be doing. I didn't know. You know? And, and we're like, hey, you're trapped in there. You know, you should get out. Okay. As I get this beam off my spleen, you know, maybe I'll, I'll crawl out of here. And, and we give that sort of crazy... Like, I was telling someone yesterday, I don't want to be a motivational speaker, but I think I could be because it would be easy because you just use all these platitudes and statements that don't necessarily mean anything, but that doesn't do anyone any good. We are meant to live the light life. And the light life is a life lived in the light, and the light life is the right life. It's the life that matters to God. And if we could live that life, Jesus spoke about that in Matthew 6. 31 through 33, and that's really our text for today. When he said this, therefore don't be anxious, hmm. saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, he says, the people who don't know me, who don't believe in me, they seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. One of Karen's favorite statements in the last year you know, we pushed it all in the middle of the table and pulled our hands off. I mean, we're out here chasing Jesus. You know this. You do this too. Okay, I'm not saying we're different than you are. But there have been moments, you know, and she just says, you know, our Father, our Heavenly Father knows what we have need of. Come on. Jesus said that. And then he goes on to say, so seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Now that righteousness, that's hang tight right. Right? That's hang tight righteousness. That righteousness, that isn't even just trying to do better or be better, but that's trying to stay close. Because when we stay close, He makes us whole. And He makes us His. And when we're His, we're righteous. We're covered. And He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Now some of us would say, okay, that's a good idea. I'm going to start seeking first the kingdom of God. I'm going to get serious about that, and I'm going to start really chasing the things that matter. But give me a minute, you know. Just give me a minute. I got to sort some things out. And as soon as I, you know, I got to, I got to, there's a couple of things I got in my life that don't belong. And I got to get free from those. Just give me a second. I'm going to do better. You know, and I'm going to, and I'm going to chill out. I know I've really been stressed, but I'm going to get around that. And I'm going to stop being stressed and worrying so much. And I'm just going to do better. Good luck. You know, I don't even know if it's appropriate to say good luck right there. I feel a little bad about saying that. I mean, because that's not going to work, okay? I mean, that's not something that's doable for us. But the reality is, if we will make and keep the main thing the main thing, then all these other things won't be so weighty. We're not going to sort it out. We're not going to manage to get that done. But here's a solid piece of God advice for us. Just this. If, if you want to lighten up, right? There's some solid advice. Get serious. And lighten up a little bit. Right? No, no. On first hearing, that sounds like, oh no, what did he Get serious. And lighten up a little bit. In other words, if we'll be serious about the one thing that does matter, not the thing even that matters most, but the one thing that matters, the one thing isn't a thing at all, but it is a somebody. And if we'll be diligent, we'll be serious about our relationship with God. I don't mean to make this sound easier than it is. I'm not trying to, to diminish, though, the fact either that we're meant to walk in victory. 
I don't want to make it sound easy, but at the same time, I don't want to act as if we can't take what is ours as a gift from Him. And that is a relationship that liberates and delivers and breaks off weights. And we can walk into that. It is there for us now and or we can try to do it on our own, which has been our tendency. Paul said this, he said in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 4, For though we walk in the flesh, we're not waging war against the flesh or according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power. Back to that passage you guys have been going through in 2 Peter chapter 1. Divine power to destroy strongholds. Listen, we have a legitimate fight to fight. We have a legitimate foe to face. We also have some serious weapons. Understand? He didn't leave us without weaponry. But in spite of Paul's um, informative qualifier or disclaimer here, essentially what Paul is saying, don't throw this at home without the Holy Ghost. That's what he's saying right here. Hey, the weapon, you're going to try to do this in the flesh, and that's not going to, don't try this at home. You know, professional driver on controlled course. I don't know. That was a qualifier, a disclaimer. Don't try this by yourself. But if you'll walk in this, if you'll grab a hold of what God's got for you, the fullness of His power, you can be free, and you can overcome the strongholds in your life. But for us, we'll often try to do with willpower what we are meant to do with his power. That's a tweetable truth. I'm saying. All right? I actually got on uh, YouTube last night because I, I wanted to see this again. It's been a minute since I saw this. I mentioned this at Coffee the other night. and I, I like to watch the Strongest Man competitions. Those fascinate me. Them dudes are big, man. And, and sometimes, like in the day, they would hook them up to... Uh, yeah, they'd be picking up cars with girls in them or something, and then they kept getting bigger. I don't know how they're getting bigger. We're not going to try to assess what they might guess. They're just really working out a lot. And, and so then they're pulling buses. And they're hooking them up to buses. Did you see that? That's pretty fascinating. But then that was going too fast. <laughs> so they started hooking these guys up to planes. Have you seen that? Hooking them up to jetliners. I watched a video last night where they had a guy hooked up to a 767, a Boeing 767 weighing 288,000 pounds. And this brew man, I mean, and they got a guy on a rope that he can pull. And at first he's not going anywhere, but then he starts and he's pulling it. I mean, and that's impressive, but, you know, if you're trying to get to Boston from here today, you're like, oh boy. I was hoping we could go a little faster. You know, and he, and he actually pulled it eight meters. The guy pulled it eight meters. Okay, I can walk, you know. And But what if, okay, because there's a guy in the cockpit. True, driving the plane. While this dude is pulling it. Eight meters, which took a long time. I don't feel like you need a driver. It's just me. I guess he had to hit the brake. I don't know. Uh, but what if that guy in the cockpit just... Started flipping switches. And the jets came on. Huh? Huh? And that's that's what it's like for us when we're out here trying to do this thing. We're trying to pull a jet. Hey, get on board. Get on board and fire it up, Jesus. You know, push your man, let's and what if you stayed outside and you're hanging, I don't know what that means, but hey, can I get in? You know, because 
Back to the scripture you guys went to, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. His divine power has given us everything needed for life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness to live the light life, the right life requires that we set our minds on him. This is not an unfamiliar teaching and dwelling place, right? But we need to get our minds set on him. We were chatting again at Kyle for the other night just briefly about the whole concept of mindset. And your mindset will determine your response to circumstance and situation or temptation, man. If you don't have your mindset set, when stuff happens, and it will, right, you'll find that out Matthew 6, 25, Jesus said, Therefore I tell you, don't be anxious about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink, nor your body. Again, back to Matthew 6, or, or what you'll put on is life. He said, not more than food and the body, more than clothing. He's not saying don't, get, don't eat. He's not saying don't work. He's not saying don't get dressed. Praise God. But he is saying don't be stressed. But it takes a mindset. It takes a mindset that's set on him. The scripture I said was familiar here in Dwelling Place, Romans 8, 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who, if we'll get serious about our relationship with God, I have a limited capacity. But if I take my capacity for focus and focus it on the one thing that matters, but those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the Spirit. Now, for sure, we're not called to live the lazy life. There's something which it's not like we're just supposed to de-stress or de-dramatize. We're, we're, we are, again, I'm, I'm hitting on something here, but we are meant to focus on something or someone. And we are meant to be about the thing that God's about. We're not called to live the lazy life. We have something to do. And we're called to do it. When the things that matter to God, though, are the things that matter to us, life lives differently. Can I get a witness from someone on that? I'm going to say that again. When the things that matter to God are the things that matter to us, life lives differently. I'm not going to tell you that we don't endure the same difficulties. I'm just saying that they don't have the same impact on us. We don't worry about them the same way we would have were we not focused on God and the things that matter to God. And it's a daily uh, discipline to do that. Again, setting our minds. That's a daily discipline. This is the prayer that Karen and I consistently pray. I prayed it over us this morning before we got out of bed, and we pray this prayer, something like it. God, help us to care about what you care about today and help us to be on point with what matters to you. Some days I have to pray this prayer. I'll say, God, help us believe what you say to us about us. You know, because the enemy, man, he comes. And, listen, he's happy to load you up. He's more than happy to bring some stuff and say, hey, put that down You and carry this. You know, Here's some things for you to carry. Here's some things for you to be concerned about. Here's some things for you to worry about. And again, I'm not saying that when we live the light life, we're not carrying anything, but I'm telling you that trust puts handles on even the heaviest things. Over the last couple of weeks, if you've followed me at all, you've noticed that my mom been in and out of the hospital. Twice we're chasing an ambulance to the ER. You know, and, and once they were telling us that she probably wasn't uh, going to live. I mean, it was crazy. Well, 
But they said, I mean, rushed her in, and her whole symptoms seemed like a heart attack, and then they did a quick MRI, and they decided that she had a dissected aorta, which means there's a slit in her aorta, and they're going to do emergency open-heart surgery. And so we're in this uh, ER waiting room, and they're treating it a little bit like an ICU, and people are coming and going everywhere. And I'm in there with uh, one of my, well, my brother and one of my sisters, and we've been praying with mom and just kind of chilling. And mom is hysterical. You know, they're telling her she can't move at all. And my mom don't know how to be afraid. She stinks at that. And she's, she, can't, she got a leg cramp. And she's jumping up to try to get the leg. I'm like, mom, you can't sit up. I'm holding her down by her forehead, you know. And she's like, I got a leg cramp. You're aorta. You know, <laughs> we're arguing between leg cramp and aorta. And then the ER nurse comes in. It's true. She says, I don't care. I got to get that cramp out. I'm like, someone rub her leg because I'm not touching it. And, you know, so <laughs> getting that taken care of. And then the ER nurse comes in and says, there's two mad, angry old ladies in the waiting room. And we're like, oh, those are our aunts. So they sent them in. And, and my Aunt Patsy had already taken her sleep medication, which is not a good thing. <laughs> a true story. <laughs> she, she was... A little loopy. And so she's praying, and, and my mom is laying here, and they're, they're saying open heart surgery, and we don't know how this is going to go, and it's serious stuff, but mom is hysterically funny, and I'm trying to, you know, I know this is serious, God, and I'm very concerned, but I can't feel panicked. I don't feel panicked. And then my aunt, she's praying, she's trying. Uh, she was better when she was praying in tongues. That was better. But then she tried to use English. And she said, And Jesus, we just put you in her hands. <laughs> and my mom, my mom, my mom, my mom is one of the most like spiritually proper people. She's laying there, you know. And she went. <laughs> she laughed a little bit. I'm telling you, if you'll live the right life, you can live a light life. And I know we endure real difficulty, serious tragedy and trauma, storms, real storms and challenges that we face every day. But I'm saying to you that God is big enough for that. And when we hang tight with Him, we can know that. Now, we don't just decide to do that when difficulty comes, though that God is gracious and good and He'll sustain us in it. But I'm talking about just an everyday way that we do business. If we can be about the Father's business, stuff comes and stuff goes. Things happen and they're hard. And, and we'll grieve and we'll hurt, but, but we won't die under the weight of it. We'll be under those heavy loads, but not crushed. Right? I think about one, one last little diversion into the Christmas story, and, and I'll, I'll get us out of here pretty quickly, but uh, you know I love this story from Luke 2. Jesus had an awareness, even at 12, what his life was about. And again, I'm saying that when we know that life lives differently, when we can grab that, we can, we can embrace that, we can own that, we can understand that that's what our lives are about. Our lives are not about the same thing as those who don't profess faith and do what they do to follow Jesus. They don't live the same way. They're not about the same thing. I've said this to you before, but what if life were about what life is about? What would, that, what would that look like? What would that live like? Be less drama, I know that's right. Or at least it would have less impact. Man, and you know the story from uh, 
This was actually a quite a dramatic day in the life of Christ. <laughs> Jesus was 12. Mary and Joseph had taken him through for the Passover. Some of you have heard me tell this story before. They brought him through. He was pre-bar mitzvah, Jewish boy, so he wasn't allowed yet to participate in the Passover, but they brought him through, and he would sit at the feet of the priest and learn about the Passover. And in that environment, it's likely, certainly they would have talked about the deliverance, uh, the plague that was put over Egypt when the death angel came through the land and took the firstborn and Pharaoh finally relented. And of course, the promise for the children of Israel that came to Moses was if you'll take the blood of a lamb and put it over the doorpost, then the death angel will pass over your home. And, And certainly to this day in the Jewish world, they still celebrate the Passover. But it's possible even that the priest also would have talked about the prophetic promises uh, from the Old Testament about the, the Messiah and the once and for all lamb who would die, who would be slain, the remission of sin, once and for all. And here's Jesus. He is that Messiah sitting in under that teaching. Just a phenomenal story to me. I mean, did he raise his hand? Hey, that's me. I'm that guy. I'm, I'm actually, you know, Mary had a little lamb. His fleece was white as snow. Did he sing the song? I doubt it. And then Mary and Joseph, man, they just got distracted and they left Jesus in Jerusalem. (laughs) I love that. That just makes me feel so good as a parent. (laughs) I mean, did you ever lose a kid for a minute? (laughs) Mary and Joseph did too. For a whole day, a day's journey away. And then here comes Mary to Joseph. They, I don't know, they're chatting. She's having girl time, he's having guy time. They're in this menagerie of people working their way back home. And Mary comes to Joseph and says, hey, where's Jesus? Oh, Jesus, where's, where's Jesus? Jesus, oh, Jesus, boy, that guy. <laughs> oh, Jesus, yeah. Where, where is he? You're saying, where, where is Jesus? Where, where is Jesus? I mean, the look on his face must have been priceless. And then the scripture says it took them two more days, man. They were looking for Jesus for a minute, and you know all the way. Mary was giving Joseph grief all the way back. We, we lost Jesus. They're looking for him. We lost, we lost the Messiah. <laughs> yeah, we didn't lose one of our other kids, no. <laughs> we lost the Messiah. Now, everybody's going to hell, and it's our fault. <laughs> she is killing this brother. You know she is. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And they finally found him. Finally find Jesus in the temple. And he got in trouble, too. Don't even think Jesus never got in trouble. Makes me feel good because I've been in trouble under, and my mom's name is Mary too. I can relate. And she said, how could you treat me this way? And Jesus said, I thought you would know that I would be in my father's house. Or one translation literally says, about my father's business. Jesus himself said in Mark chapter 16, 15, he said, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Church, that's a serious assignment. He didn't say, go into some places that are easy to get to and tell them something important, at least a few of them. He said, go into the whole world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. That's our assignment. We have a serious and significant assignment. And living a life that's about God and the things that matter to Him That may at first glance seem intimidating or even a bit risky. And in actuality, we have been taught essentially our whole lives to look out for number one. That's true. We have been told that. Of course, ironically, he's number one. And he's been looking out for us. 
Do you feel those weights fall off? What? Do you feel the light life coming? When you choose to live the right life now, for sure, it's, it's risky and it's hard. I don't want to say that it isn't. To live a life of personal impact requires effort and action. I mean, at some point, you just got to do it. Purpose, plan, passion, yes, all those. But at some point, you just got to go for it. You just got to do it. You got to live the life that God's put in front of you to live. You got to contend for the faith. And you do that from the power that comes from within. And, and you chase God hard. And you see what happens. And it doesn't always work. You might fail. You might fall. But it won't feel the same. as Maybe one. there would be someone here today who would say, but, but what if... What if I seek first the kingdom, go after God and His plans for me and fall or fail? And my retort to that would be to say, but what if you live a nominal life of faith under a load of unnecessary and unprofitable stress and miss the best God has for you and for others? And I'm going to read that statement again because it was ministering to me right then. What if, what if we live a life of nominal faith under an unnecessary load of unprofitable stress and miss the best that God has for us and others? That's a risk I don't want to take. We notice in life, you know, we know no pain, no gain, no guts, no glory, right? Those are not really good theology, by the way. We say this in our house, there's some truth in it, no try, no triumph. It's lighter than you think. If you'll get serious, I hope you see the tongue-in-cheek in that. If you'll get serious, get lighten up a little bit. How about getting up in the morning and saying, hey, Jesus, what's going on? What do you want to do today? He'll probably go pinky in the brain on it. Try to take over the world. That's what he usually says to me. Jesus said to his own disciples in Matthew 16, 24 and 25, if anyone want to be my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their lives will lose it. But don't miss this part. And those that would lose their life for my sake will find it who's still looking today we'll find it when Isaac and Jacob were little I'm looking for my guitar player I don't think he's made it back yet I'll get him up here when I get one but when Isaac and Jacob were little Isaac was uh, not too keen on taking his training wheels off actually yeah, we moved into this neighborhood true story and um there was a little boy that was a year younger than Jacob who already rode his bicycle without training wheels. And they were, I mean, they were probably, what, first and second grade when we moved into that neighborhood, something like that. We didn't have bicycles before, but we got there and they had brand new bicycles and Vitor was this kid's name, Vitor Snide. He was from Sweden. And Vitor was riding his bicycle all over the neighborhood without his training wheels. And Jacob's a very competitive guy and couldn't keep up with those training wheels. And so he wanted his wheels off immediately. And he was a wreck looking for a place to happen. 
I mean, this guy was running into trash cans and mailboxes, and his dad was running along behind him, you know, trying to make that not happen. And Isaac watched all that mess and said, no thanks. He literally said out loud, four wheels are better than two. <laughs> but then after a while, you know, he got, just, he got tired of being the older kid who couldn't, who couldn't go where the other kids even could go. And one day he said, you know, I think I want them training wheels off. And, and so I start taking them off, and he's grabbing my hand. I don't know. And Jacob is, you know, the year younger brother standing back there, probably a first grader, and he's standing back watching all this. And he's really excited when Isaac's going to take his training wheels off. But then when he starts hedging his bet, he's going. And then finally, Jacob just spoke up, and he said, You know, Isaac, it don't hurt that much if you fall. I could get some people up here to testify if you need me to. I'm sure I could grab Sizemore. He's fell down a time or two. I could get Simonis over here. Either one of them, I'm sure. Anybody that's ever tried has failed. I just believe there are dreams and destinies that are locked up in each of us. And I also believe that unlocking those destinies is the key to unlocking peace and joy in our lives and in our hearts. I believe the only way to live the light life is to live the God-ordained destiny, the right life. Ultimately, the key <laughs> to all this, though, <laughs> is the right relationship. I know I could have skipped the other two pages of notes and just went straight to that, but, you know, it's dwelling place. You got a minute. None of this works without him. You'll be just latched up to an airplane, pulling as hard as you can and not going anywhere fast. None of this works without him. This is all about Jesus. It's all about being close and walking and running and dreaming and hoping. And, and, and you care about other things. You, care, you watch the news and you pray for our world and and you care about people, and you care deeply, and somehow you're still carefree, and, and you face the same trouble and trauma and unexpected storms and, and difficulties, and it hurts, and, and, but you still live, and you breathe. And Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. My burden is light. I didn't make this up today. I didn't make it up. I'm telling you the truth. If you came up in here and you just... And if all you talk about over lunch or coffee is drama, I'm telling you it might be time to de-dramatize. Start caring about the things that are worth caring about. And come to Jesus. I mean, if you follow me, you see me, I'll say, you probably think I'm the silliest person alive because I'll check in from Panera or Starbucks or somewhere, won't I, Kyle? And I'll say, I was having coffee with Jesus. Well, I do that. And the reason I post it is because I want people especially my friends over the ocean, but my people all over the planet that are my friends 
to see the simplicity of the relationship that I get to have with my Jesus. And also, I love drinking coffee with Jesus. Because he never drinks his. Which means I get to have two cups. What? That's true. <laughs> I'm not even making that up. <laughs> he puts more cup in, coffee in the cup. Just kidding. I made that up. I was flying in the other day, just exhausted. Spent the night with my mom in the hospital the night before, and then flew home the next day, and I was sitting in the airport. Sitting in the airport floor with tears coming down my face listening to a song I never heard before. Because Jesus says, you should listen to this song. He's so good. So good. Lord, I thank you for today, for my opportunity to be here. And I praise you, God, for your faithfulness to us. And I thank you, God. I pray, Lord, I'm about to hand this mic to Rick. And God, even as we transition to an opportunity for prayer, I pray if somebody's carrying a heavy, heavy burden, a heavy load, Lord, they won't carry it alone. They'll carry it with you. And if maybe we're carrying some things we just need to lay down, we'd do that too. And God, if maybe just a not-so-subtle reminder that we don't have to settle for being and walking weighty. But, Lord, that with you, not to say again, God, that all the difficulty goes away because it doesn't. Deal with stuff every day, every day, wondering exactly how it's going to work, uh, praying for healing still, persistently and continually, hoping it happens. All those things, God, that you know that I personally struggle with and deal with and, and that are challenges, God, but you grace us to care about what you care about and to be what, about what you are about. And it is an honor to walk with you and to know you. And it's not just the right life. But it is the light life. As Ron was talking about that, and uh, I couldn't help but uh, realize that this morning, uh, Paul asked me, I said, uh, Rick, did you check your uh, text messages? I said, no, no. Yeah, I didn't have time. And so uh, she said, yeah, you check it. Let me play you something. And, and before I play this to you, um, Ron made a statement about living the light life and Karen said well, to know your father has cares and he knows you have need of these things well I get this text this morning that says uh, the kids have been asking for you You know, and uh, well, let me tell you, I wanted to get in the car and go to Charlotte. Well, you know, if me being evil know how to give good gifts, how much more does your Heavenly Father give to those who ask? And, you know, I just, I'll be honest with you, as Ron's preaching about living this light life and how you could, how really it's just a mindset, what is a mindset? One of the biggest mindsets is just the realization that all I have to go is, Papa? Papa? And that's what he was preaching. I just kept going, Papa? And this one goes, Papa? So I think some of you need to come and go, Papa. You know, sometime when the kids are wounded, and, uh, you know, you know, it's not bad. You just hold them, and it just makes it seem like it made it all better for them. And I know your Heavenly Father just wants to Papa you. And come.
And that's how you can live the light life, right, Ron? So uh, it's just, uh, if any of you would just need some agreement this morning, you want to know Jesus, God know Jesus, well, you want some brothers and sisters to agree with you, we'll be up here and uh, uh, come here, you do this better than me. Finish this thing up. Come here, finish this thing up. I just had to share the problem. That's no better. Somebody to rebuke him for comparison. This is the guy that don't let anybody compare anybody to anybody. <laughs> there is no better. Get back up here. Bossy, bossy, bossy. You ain't changed a bit, man. That's right. Okay. Well, if you'd just like to come to Papa, and, you, and maybe even you need specifically to just set some things down. Maybe there's some today. You know, we are better together. And if maybe today you need to come and say, you know what, some has just really been weighting me down. It's just been hard for me to get through. And you, you need to be honest about that. You know, there's a real struggle. Listen, again, I'm not saying on any level that there aren't real, legit challenges that we face. Part of the way that that stays light for me is like this morning. I was in tremendous amount of pain even during worship. And I was thinking, God, you know, and, and uh, the Simonises um, and the Elam's coming over and praying for me. My pain didn't go away, but my load got lighter. Good call. Just picked it up with me a little bit. We carry better together. So if maybe you need someone to pray with you, you say, I just, you know, it's just, it's hectic and it's heavy. Well, let's, let's deal with that together and let's come to Papa. So on the count of three, however that applies to you, maybe you're here today and you're just not walking with God. You don't know Jesus as your Savior. Come, 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 come. Quit trying to do life alone. Get out from in front of the airplane and hop on board. That's you. If any of that's you, then come on the count of three. One, two, start early. Three, go. Come stand across here, find a place to nail it. Doesn't matter. Let's pray. Let's pray. Come on. Come on. Just need to set something down. Just want to lighten up a little bit. <clears throat> Maybe you would say, I just want to pray that the Lord would help me to care about the things that matter to Him, to be serious about those things. Maybe that's you. Come. Come. It was great to see you otherwise. Much love. Chat to you just now. <laughs>